0: Good morning, Third Street. Uh, My name is Rachel, and I am Corey's wife. Corey is our lead pastor here at Third Street, and I'm introducing him because I'm running out of uh, creative ways to introduce myself, uh, because I don't have a formal title or role here at Third Street. I just kind of do a lot of things. So I teach the three- to five-year-olds sometimes, and I help a setup, and I feed the worship team, and I preach sometimes. That's my title. (laughs) Um, Right now, we are in the middle of a series that is called Freedom, and we are taking a look at how Christ frees our destinies, our hearts, and our minds. And last week, we kicked it off, and Corey talked about how Christ frees our destinies. He looked at Romans 7, verses 1 through 6, and he challenged us to take a look at the labels that the world has placed on us, that we have placed on us. And he uh, challenged us with the ways that Christ has covered those labels where we do not have to accept those as who we are because we have new life and we are freed in the Holy Spirit. And so this week, um, I'm going to be talking about how Christ has freed our hearts. Now, when I got to thinking about this, um, thinking about how Christ has freed our hearts became kind of a tricky thing Um, Because what I realized is all of the times in my life where I didn't even know my heart needed freed. Uh, Because one of the things that I realized I've done, and I'm sure so many of us do, is we put these walls around us and we do it in the name of guarding our hearts. In Proverbs, Sol- Solomon tells us, guard your hearts for from that everything comes. And Jesus talks about that as well. And so in the name of guarding our hearts, we put up walls. And that's, that's not what is intended when they talk about guarding our hearts. We get hurt by a family member or hurt by somebody that we love. And so what we do is we build this metaphoric but very real wall around us in the name of guarding our hearts but what we've actually done is calloused ourselves and now anything that even looks or, or sounds or smells or acts, anything like that person or that thing that hurt us, we're completely shut off to it. The other thing that I know that I do, I don't know, I don't know if you do this, but I harden myself in the name of protection think, well, these are my kids and this is my family. I need to protect them. I need to protect myself. And so I become hardened then as well. I put, this, I put this thing around me because I've been hurt by this organization or this religion or this system. And so I just learn how to live without it because that must be what I do to protect myself, right? We become accustomed to our walls. We become blind to our needs. And we become content in our barricades, but Christ has freed our hearts, and so these barriers that that we're talking about, these are nothing new to this guy named Paul, and Paul is the person who was writing a letter to the church in Rome, which is where we get the book of Romans that we're studying from, and Paul himself was a calloused man before he knew Jesus. See, before he was Paul, he was Saul. All throughout scripture, um, God has this habit, this thing that he does of giving people a new name. And when Paul was Saul, he was like the Jew of all Jews. At his time, it was uh, most people, most Jews could not trace their heritage back to the original tribes of Israel. But Paul could. Paul could trace himself all the way back. And he held so tight to the laws of Judaism. There were 613 laws, which is impossible for anyone to uphold. But if you asked Paul, he probably would have told you, no, I got it. Because Paul was a proud Jew and he was a zealous Jew. And he actually went as far as to kill people who came against his faith. But then, Paul encountered Jesus when he was on a journey to a place called Damascus. This was a city, and he was on his way there to kill some Christians because he didn't like them. They came against his faith. And while he was there, Jesus stopped him in his tracks, very literally threw him off his high horse. He had an encounter with Jesus that was so undeniable that his entire life was changed. He was freed from the places where he was callous, and he became known as Paul. And so Paul has a whole lot that he can tell us about how Christ frees our hearts. And so right now we're going to jump into uh, right where Corey left off. We're going to start in Romans chapter 7. And we're going to look at what Paul has to say about this thing called the law. So the law was this thing that new Christians, new believers, they didn't want. Because they'd heard terrible things about it. They heard that it was binding. They heard that it was impossible. They heard that it didn't make you feel good. And Jews who became Christians, they didn't want it either because all it did was remind them of their failures. So people were trying to throw out the law. And so this is where Paul jumps in, starting in verse 9. He says, at one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. Let's go a little further. He says, but still the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. Let's go one more verse. It says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. So there's a lot in there. Um, the first thing I want to point out, I so appreciate what Paul is doing right here. When Paul came to know Jesus, he shed his old self, but he learned from his old self. And so Paul, as someone who loved Judaism, was the Jew of all Jews, he takes his life before Jesus and he takes the things that he learned And he tells us how he sees them now in light of Jesus. And then he tells us how we can learn from his life. He's giving us a picture of what it means to share our testimonies. He's modeling for us how to share our lives. So what's he saying about the law? I think before we answer that, we need to answer a different question. And that is, why was the law given in the first place? Why do we even have this thing that he's addressing? So the law is this thing that is so extensive. It's long. When we read the Old Testament, a lot of times we skip it because it sounds boring. But it was so important because the law, like all things, was created to direct our eyes to God. The law was created to give a picture of just how good God is. It's extensive, And it's long because our God is big. The law was intended to direct us to this process called sanctification. Sanctification is just a big fancy word that means becoming more like God, becoming more holy. And so the idea is that we uphold the law and we get a greater understanding of who God is and we become more sanctified. But see, here's the thing. Because the law is showing us how big God is, because the law is created to give us a picture of who he is, it also shows us how truly impossible it is to become equal with God. It also shows us how dire our need is for a savior, for someone to create a bridge between us and our creator. So ultimately what the law does is it shows us how much we need Jesus to get from here over to here. So in verse 9, when Paul writes and he says, the power of sin came to life, what he's saying is that he now has an understanding of sin because something showed him what is sinful. The understanding of the law gives us an understanding of God, which gives us an understanding of sin. So the whole point in all that is that our human perspective gives us a finite view of what is good, but the law gives us a picture of the infinite God that we worship. So the law, the law gives, or I'm sorry, our human perspective is so tiny. It's so, it's, it's like this big compared to just how huge and magnificent God is. So this is a lot. This is a lot. This was really hard for me to put into words. So I realized in having this, um, we'll call it a discussion, with my children, (laughs) I realized how how I actually understand this and see this in my life. So we have two kids. We have two little girls. They're a two-year-old and a three-year-old. And my constant frustration in parenting, a two year old and a three year old, is that I get bored just as easily as they get bored. And so they have their favorite activity, their favorite thing that they would just do all day, every day, without question. Like they would wake up, sun up to sundown, they would watch a movie, then they go in their playroom and play with their same two toys. It doesn't matter how many toys are in their playroom, they play with the same two toys. Then they fight with each other, so I put them down for a nap every day. That's what it is. So now that like they're both potty trained and I feel a little bit more freedom I'm like okay we're going to do some fun things this summer. And so I go to them and I'm like all right here's all the things that I know that my kids love. We're going to have an awesome day. I'm like all right girls here's the plan. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go on a road trip and we're going to go to Columbus. And we're going to get Grader's ice cream. And it's going to be the best ice cream that you've ever had in your whole life. And then we're going to go to a water park. And there's going to be fountains. And there's going to be a splash pad. And there's going to be a pirate ship. And you can play on it. And this is going to be awesome. And then, because we are zoo members, we can go to the Columbus Zoo. And you can see all these animals. And it is going to be awesome awesome. And Kaylee just looks me dead in the face and says, no. And just goes in the playroom. Because that's what Kaylee does. Because Kaylee just thinks to herself, I don't really want to do that. I like my favorite thing. And she goes away. But then Sarah is like my deep feeler. And she is distraught. She's like, I don't want to go to graders. I want custard corner. And I'm like, that's not even comparable. And then she's like, no, I don't want to go to the water park. I want to go to dogwood. And I'm like, this water park would like eat dogwood. It's so much bigger. And she's like, I don't want to go to the zoo. I like my dog. And I'm like, your dog literally sleeps all day. Like you don't even play with him. I am trying to do something so exciting with you and you are just killing this. Because they're toddlers and they have no frame of reference for these awesome things that I'm telling them, like, you're gonna love this. And they just don't care because they want to do what they know. They're like, I have my favorite things and I like my favorite things and I know how to do my favorite things and I'm good at these things and so I'm comfortable with them and I'm just gonna stay with these things because I like them. But I'm looking at them like, I'm your mother. I created you. I've watched you grow. I know your heart. I know what you're good at. I know what you're passionate about. I know what you love. And I know this world that you have never even seen. So just go with me. Just trust me. And so because I'm their mother and I want good things for them and I love them, I drag them in the car screaming. And I strap them in and I'm like, we're going. And then they go and they love it because their eyes are opened up to something that they've never dreamed possible. They've never thought that they could do these things. But once they trust me, their perspective shifts. And it is the same with us and with God. Our human perspective gives us the tiniest view of what is good, of what we are capable of, of what we can do. But our God is so big and when we follow his laws and when we follow his word, we start to actually grasp what good is. And so then we have to ask the question. Because of what Paul says here, he says, the law is spiritual and good, the trouble is with me. And so then we have to ask, what do I do with that? What do I do with the fact that I'm the issue? But I don't feel like I'm the issue. Because what I want to do is good. What I'm trying to make happen is good. So I feel like it, it's got to be the law that's bad, right? Because if, if the law is good, then why would it feel scary and, and impossible? Why would it feel painful? If God's instructions are meant for good, then why do I feel like they're just defeating and impossible and something that I can just never live up to? And all of this frustration is because, to just say it frankly, sin sucks. It ruins everything. It ruins everything so many things and we as humans we are imperfect and we screw things up and we hurt ourselves and we hurt each other and we misconstrue the image of God to people because we can't do it on our own sin is so complicated and so let's go to verse 15 and see what Paul has to say next he says I don't really understand myself For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not doing, I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Let's keep going. It says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. That sounds real confusing, right? It sounds like maybe Paul is talking in circles. But what he's not, what he's doing here is... He's introducing the Romans and by extension us to this thing called depravity. Everybody say that. Say depravity. Depravity. So, depravity is just this real fancy word that means that we all have something corrupt that's living within us and that we battle that as a result of when sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. So, sin, I'm sorry, so depravity is just this wrestling within us. That we have a hard time articulating and reconciling. We have, we have this desire to do good, but sometimes we just don't. No matter how much we want to do good, no matter how much we want to make the right decision, we sometimes just don't because it, this wrestling that happens because of fear and anxiety and frustration and anger, jealousy, pride, all of these things. What does this look like? We maybe do something like, I don't know if you've ever done this, not that I have, Um, but maybe you have a really frustrating day and you're like, I just need to do something to make myself feel better. And so you go shopping and you buy some things and then you, and then you realize that that was, that was bill money. I shouldn't have spent that money. I just spent the bill money, but I look good in this shirt, so I'm not going to take it back. Or um, maybe we do something like we get really frustrated with somebody. We get really frustrated with with a coworker, with a family member, with a friend. And instead of going to that person to discuss the issue, we just talk to some friends about them, about how, how terrible they are, and we elevate ourselves because that makes us feel better. Or maybe we go out with our friends one night and... Instead of being the voice of reason, we're having fun. So we just have a few too many. And we think to ourselves, I'll be more responsible next time. Or maybe we get really mad at our kids. And so we yell at them in a way that wasn't warranted for the action. But we think, I'll do better. I'll respond better next time. Maybe... We just make less of our sin to make ourselves feel better about the fact that we are sinful people who are wrestling with things. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree the law is good. We do exactly what Paul is saying. Guys, we can't throw out the law of the Old Testament. When we do these things that make us feel uncomfortable inside, that's God's Holy Spirit showing us our depravity and prompting us to do better. We have the freedom to no longer be bound by the law because of Jesus, but we need to understand the law because that helps us understand Jesus. If we don't put in the effort... To know our whole story. If we don't look back to the beginning. And let that inform our present. That we are doing a disservice to where we are at. Because we are not understanding the full picture. Of what God has done for us. He gave us the law. To bring an understanding of how good he is. And then he gave us Jesus. To give our hearts freedom. To no longer be in bondage to our sin. So let's go back to the very, very. Very beginning of today. How does all of. How does understanding all of this bring freedom to our hearts? Well, we just, we do exactly what Paul has modeled for us. We look to our past. We look to our experiences. We look at what got us here, and then we find the truth of who God is and allow that to just brick by brick deconstruct our barricades. We let the goodness of God that we have discovered through the law bring light to the places that are shadowed by our walls. And then we let the freedom discovered through Jesus take down those walls like a wrecking ball. Because when we let God in and we let the walls fall, then suddenly our hearts are free to extend the same love and grace to the people who made us construct those walls right in the first place. And so as we close today, I just have three questions. Um, I think they'll be up on the screen. Um, But I just have three questions for us that I want us to process today. And the first is where do you need to look to your past to get God's perspective of the story? What walls around your heart do you need to find freedom from today? And what will you do to start deconstructing those walls?